0: If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Luke chapter 7. We're going to read today uh, verses 36 through 39. 36 through 39. <laughs> this may not appear to be a passage that you would expect to be centered around the Lord's Supper, but we'll try to tie it in if we can. Because it's an invitation. It takes an invitation to come to this table. And the only invitation that matters is the invitation from Jesus. And the only way to get that invitation is to know Him as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, let this cup pass. But if you know him as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome at this table today. You know, a pastor was invited to a dinner. During the meal, he was astonished to hear the younger daughter of the family state that that a person must be very brave to go to church these days. The pastor was a little stunned and he said, why would you say that? The little girl answered, because I heard daddy tell mama last Sunday that there was a big shot in the pulpit. The choir murdered the anthem and the organist drowned everybody. (laughs) If you didn't get that, think about it, you will yeah it'll come to you, <laughs> you know she wasn't talking about Reedy Branch because our our we have an awesome choir, and our musicians are great, <sighs> but we have to be careful what we invite our children to hear. if we're not careful, they're going to repeat us, and it's going to be an embarrassing situation. <laughs> When we look at the text today, we do want to focus on the invitation the Bible tells us in verses 36 through 39 in chapter 7, the gospel of Luke. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, him. and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee had invited, who had invited him saw this. He spoke, himself, spoke to himself saying. This man. If he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. This is God's holy word. God, as we thank you for this day, we invite your presence to be strong in this place. God, we pray that knowing that you are already here because there are so many Born again believers here, you've told us in your word you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So wherever we are, God, those of us who know you through your son, you are there. You've promised us in your word that where two or three are gathered together in your name. You would be in the midst. So God, we're calling upon you today. Move and minister upon each and every heart that is here. And God, may you be glorified in everything that we do. God, as you speak to each heart, we're going to trust you for your faithful and true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we think on this passage, what we know is that a Pharisee by the name of Simon, he had invited Jesus to dinner, and now Simon, being a Pharisee, he was more likely to be a Pharisee wealthy man we must understand that the hierarchy in the greco-roman society it comprised of the wealthy and certain family structures for anyone who were in leadership positions this also applied to the jews as well so many scholars believe that in that day it was easy to spot a home of someone who was wealthy Often their homes would have had an open courtyard and the public would be able to to stand in that courtyard whenever guests had come to this wealthy person's home. They were able to stand in that courtyard so they could hear the discussions, especially if it was a rabbi. Someone who was influential was in the house. Staying true to himself and to his purpose for coming to earth, Jesus accepted the invitation from this religious leader. We must remember Mark 2 and 17, Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus didn't shy away from sinners. He didn't shy away from the religionists of that day. But sadly, too often, the religionists failed to see that they were spiritually sick and they had a real spiritual need. So, as we briefly look into this text, we can see the spiritual problem with this religionist. This Pharisee invited Jesus into his home and he treated Jesus as if Jesus should have been privileged or honored to be invited into this man's home. How do we know that? This man was not hospitable at all to Jesus. He failed to show common courtesies to Jesus as a guest in his home. How do we know? Well, in verses 44 and 46, Jesus says, "'I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, In verse 45, he says, "Uh, uh, you did not give me a kiss. He says, oh, you gave me no kiss. And in verse 46, he says, and you did not anoint my head with oil. These are common courtesies for any guest that you would have in your home during Jesus' time of walking on the earth. But he didn't get any of these courtesies extended to him we would say that this man was rude to jesus it appears that this man was just filled with pride now the bible doesn't say just why the man invited jesus to his home but it would appear that he wanted the attention of jesus being there he understood jesus had developed a large following and, and he would want he would want this attention so that he could say i Many of us like attention when we can say I. Many of us like the attention when, when that personal pronoun I or me can be used because it puffs us up. It says what we have done. Here, this man was saying, look what I've done. Look what I, look who I had in my house. Jesus of Nazareth has, Nazareth has spent time and he has taught in my house. His spiritual problem was that of pride. Someone once said, for pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Let me say that again. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Oh, that's saying a lot about a prideful person, isn't it? It makes me wonder if in today's society, if there's anyone who's ever professed Christ as their Lord and Savior, but on a regular basis, they find themselves like this religious man. What I mean is this, that how many professing Christians are rude to Jesus? Jesus. How many fail to show him the common courtesies that he deserves regularly? Uh, <laughs> let me say it this way, can I? How many are eager to, to tell people that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, but you have trouble on Sunday morning finding your Bible because you don't know where you put it the previous Sunday afternoon? What I mean is, can we really remember... Can, I, What I mean is they they can't remember where it was at. and, And so that lets us know they haven't opened it. They hear from Jesus all week long. How many can only call on Jesus or try to talk with him when they find themselves needing him? In other words, how many treat him like a genie in a bottle? How many only attempt to apply his principles to scripture in their lives when it benefits them? (sighs) Now, I know this doesn't apply to anyone here. This only happens in in other churches. Not the ones who are visiting, but other churches, you know. There's no evidence of anything like that ever taking place, really, is there? whether we realize it or not, when we are born again believers and never take time for God's word or seldom genuinely pray or fail to apply God's principles to our life, we're arrogantly saying, I don't need to be close to him. I don't need him every day and every moment of my life. We see that on Facebook posted by so many people and I want to ask the question, but I won't because it's really none of my business. It's between them and God. How often are you talking to him and how often are you allowed him to speak to you? Folks, when when we don't want to be in Bible study. We, when we don't want to be in Sunday school, when we don't want to be in worship service, when we don't want to be in fellowship with our church family, when we don't want to, we don't want to serve unless the, I'm able to lead and give instructions when it, and everyone has to see me. When I, can't, when I can't follow or be submissive in this life, whether it's a church, whether it's on my job, whether it's in my home, we have to know there's a spiritual problem. And it's sin. And it's the sin of pride. But you know there's good news. There's very good news. Because in this text what we can clearly see is that we can deal with our spiritual problems. And we see it in the text by noticing the spiritual progress of a repentant sinner. You know the scene shifts from this arrogant man who treated Jesus like a nobody to this woman. Who is repentant in her heart. This woman is described as a woman of the city. A sinner. This would indicate that what she was what many of us would call a woman of the night. Oh, I'm, I'm telling my age, jana, a woman of the night. A prostitute. No, she didn't invite Jesus into her home, but she heard where he would be. And she grabbed what may have been the most... <sighs> The most prized possession or the most expensive possession that she owned. And she went to seeking Jesus. Now we must understand she knew where she was. She knew who and what she was. She knew the looks that she would receive walking into this house. So why do you think, what do you think drove her to this home? This wealthy man's home and fall at the feet of Jesus. Undo her hair and as she is weeping wipe his feet with her hair. And continually kiss his feet. It's not hard to see. This woman was desperate. She was gripped by her sinful condition and under heavy conviction she was. It seems that she was heavy laden and she had to find him because she knew that he and only he could give her rest she was so desperate for rest so desperate for peace so desperate for love despite who she was and where she was at despite the gossip despite no one wanting her around despite the possibility of being thrown out on her head despite this she was determined to approach jesus so before they could stop her there she is at his feet Humbly, she submitted herself to Jesus. And she showed she was willing to sacrifice all that she had for him. She brought this alabaster flask with her and poured out an expensive fragrant oil on Jesus' feet and then wiped it up with her hair. Her display of love and affection, brokenness and devotion it resulted in Jesus receiving her. The Bible tells us in Psalm 38, 34 and 18, that the Lord is near those who have a broken heart, and He saves such as has a contrite spirit. Let's get real for a moment. We're only able to deal with our spiritual problems when we become broken over them. If we're not broken over them, we won't deal with them because we don't think there's anything wrong. Somebody better say amen because you know that's true. It's the most truth I've said. If we don't feel that we are wrong, if we're not broken over our issues, then we're not desperate. But when we are broken... We become desperate. It's our despera- It's in our desperation that we call out to God and we will genuinely seek him and his forgiveness. It won't matter where we're at, who is around us, what others may say. When we are desperate, we will cry out to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And you can believe that if you call on the name of the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you truly experience his forgiveness, you'll find that you want to be devoted to him. It's when you realize who you are and where you're at and what he has done for you. And you may ask, well, what has he actually done? Well, he left the splendor of heaven. He came to this sin-cursed world. He submitted himself and lived in full obedience to his father. And he gave himself to be beaten, cursed, and crucified for you. He laid down his life and God raised him from the dead. And now he offers this same resurrection power to raise you that raised him from the grave. And when this becomes real to us, we will devote our lives to him and to his service. Are we in his service? As the musicians are preparing to come for this invitation, you may be thinking, wait a minute, preacher. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know all the devil I've played and I don't need to know. As a matter of fact, I really don't want to know. Because you can, I can assure you that God knows. And that's all that matters. And he will forgive you. How do I know? This woman was guilty of her sin. We don't know how far she had gone. But what we know is that Jesus saw her desperation and her devotion. So when this Pharisee spoke within himself. Of Jesus letting this sinful woman touch him. Jesus came to her defense. He'll come to your defense. You may worry about what others say or think. But Jesus, (laughs) he isn't worried. Because he knows all about them too. He knew all about this man's selfishness, his self-righteousness, and his pride. So Jesus reminded Simon that this woman was hospitable to him. She showed common courtesy to him for it was this sinful woman who wept and washed his feet. It was this sinful woman who would not cease from kissing his feet. It was this sinful woman who anointed him with this expensive, fragrant oil. He forgave her much and for it she loved him much. Listen, if you're ashamed of your life, Listen, he'll change your life around, give you a new life, and I trust you when you experience him forgiving you much, you'll love him much. So, what about you today? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, what about you today? Are you tired and desperate? I want you to know that if you are, Jesus is inviting you to cast your cares upon him. For he cares for you. And if you receive him today, he will invite you to this table. Where you can sup with him. Where he'll sup with you.